Do you like to dine out, but you're on a very tight budget? Then the Dining on a Dime podcast is what you want to listen to. Now, here are the guys who are going to show you how to do this. Kevin Wilson and John Cole. Welcome, everyone, to the greatest podcast in the history of this great uh, sport. My name is Kevin Wilson. J. Cole. Along with our panel. Let's introduce our panel. We have a fantastic panel now. I just want to get out of the way. Everyone knows today, if you're planning on opening a restaurant or a food business, doesn't matter, food Food. truck, etc. No, no, that's not what we're doing. Uh, People don't. (laughs) Or or if you own one or you have have friends or relatives that own one, this is the show for you. And to my left, to my left is the author of The Fiscal Therapy Solution the greatest financial planner in the country, Mark Bernstein. Mark, how are you? Very good, Kevin. Thank you for that. To his left is the man who cooks your favorite foods at all your favorite restaurants, uh, the head master, grill master at Grubhouse Philly, Jim Hassan. Pleasure for you. <laughs> yeah, no, we brought wings in. Yes, he did. And we had some candied bacon on these wings. Yeah, he, and, made, uh, he made wings with candied bacon. That's fantastic. So. And superstar. Star. Oh, yeah, that's right. We, we, we've yeah, got, uh, we, we added a guest today. He is a, an actor on The Sopranos. He has a couple of films coming out. But why is he here? Because he's friend. <laughs> Did he's he friend, lose a bet? No, he's a friend of the show. He's a friend of the show. <laughs> and he does real estate for restaurants. So we got you all covered. We got a guy who's been in the business. He was a superstar in the business, uh, Jim Hansen. We got a consultant. Who is a very successful one, John Cole. Although I've been told I'm a real estate, in- I'm a restaurant insultant now. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's my new term, I'm an insultant, so we'll see. And then we have Peter DeFeo, the master actor who also does real estate for restaurants. And then, of course, the greatest uh, financial planner in the country, Mark Bernstein. So let's start. We have a couple of announcements. I have such an exciting announcement to make. Jay Cole, tell us about this year's Burger Brawl, brother. Uh, I was, you saw a bunch of us kind of throwing this out there on social media today. Uh, it's a little bit early um, to be thinking about September, but this Sunday, I'm sorry, Sunday, September 15th, Burger Brawl will be back. It'll be a little bit different this year. The format will be different. Check their website, phillyburgerbrawl.com, to check out how it's going to be different. Location is going to be different. They're going to be at the Philadelphia Navy Yard. Um, Xfinity was great. I think the Navy Yard makes a lot of sense in terms of parking, in terms of location. Maybe we'll get a little bit of a nice, cool breeze. People who've been down to the Philly Beer Festival down there know maybe a little bit too much of a stiff breeze then because that's like March. But um, we've had temperature problems at Burger Brawl. I've been there as a judge. I've been there as a social media contact. I've been there uh, with uh, Rostelli's Food Group in the past uh, as a sponsor. I've been there Um, as an eater. (laughs) I've also been there as an eater. And uh, I'll tell you right now, it can get real hot. We, before we went on the air, we talked about this, that, um, you know, it gets real hot. It's 90, 90 degrees plus out on that asphalt, and everybody's eating burgers. And let's be honest, that's not lean cuisine. <laughs> and then everybody's drinking beer, or almost everybody's drinking beer. Kids are running around, one blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, those first aid tents. So they move this thing to September, hopefully a little bit of cooler weather. Um, to the, to tomorrow, the early bird tickets go on sale, again, at their website, phillyburgerbrawl.com. Early bird tickets are 30 bucks. We've talked about this before. If you can find 
a better deal there's no better in a deal. food event you let me know because i go to a lot of these things and i have not seen a better event better pricing better run where you can just eat basically to failure to borrow a term from the fit people, yeah. um, you can eat to failure. I challenge anyone to eat every single burger. That I, I did. I did. <laughs> well, even the judges. I've, we, I've been on a judging panel before uh, with a friend of the show, Jeff Belonger, and even he said, he's like, we're working in shifts and we're still, you know, like we have to be helped away from the tables. Yeah. Um, they try to keep it as consistent as possible. But you can check out uh, my various social media feeds for more details if you want to. I'd really suggest, if you want to go, take advantage of the early bird tickets. The proceeds go to fund Philly schools. Yeah. Uh, hashtag burgers for students, I think they're doing this year. It's kind of hard to find a reason. If you're a foodie and you're looking for something to do on that day, it's kind of hard to, first of all, argue with the price. Second of all, who doesn't love burgers? And third of all, the money's going to buy School supplies, tech supplies, and that sort of stuff that the city doesn't cover for schools in those neighborhoods where maybe, you know, not everybody's a millionaire. And guess what? That is truly, because I went three years, three years in a row, and I can honestly tell you, I paid 50 because I paid it at the last minute. Easily the best deal you're going to get yeah. because I ate at like 50 different burger places, and I only paid 50 bucks. I mean, that was a, a, a deal, and John's telling you that you can get the early bird for 30 So I don't know if you can find a better deal. Yeah, I, I just don't – I don't know how long the early bird's going to last either. Right. So, but 50 is worth it. You I mean, know, 50 is absolutely worth it. I dropped that all day long. But Now, do we know – they usually pair it with whether tacos or wings or something. Yeah, do you know, know that? They, they did not release that information yet. I think maybe they're trying to be slightly coy, drive some traffic to their website, maybe their social media feeds. Um, honestly, I – as much fun as the tacos and the wings were, I almost, in a little bit of a way, hope they just focus on burgers. Me too. Right, right, right. You as someone I mean? who may do it this year, I right. yeah, kind of hope I mean, it's just burgers. I, I, I love wings. I mean, you know, people are looking at me like, what? You're down on a wing? No, never. I was right. down on a wing 10 minutes ago when Jim brought them outside <laughs> in the room. But um, it's one day where Philly basically focuses on burgers. And, and we've talked about this before. People's reputations have been made. At Burger Brawl. Today we're going to talk about the business of the business, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And there are people who business has really picked up, to use a phrase yeah. of a friend of ours. Um, business has really picked up from Burger Brawl. Somebody's won Burger Brawl. Maybe they've won fan favorite. Like, maybe they just had a burger that people didn't shut up about. And they've come back and won another year. Yeah. That puts real money into the till. It's yeah. not just hype. I know back in the day people thought, oh, does this stuff really equal money? <laughs> and Lucky's yeah. Last Chance was not on my radar yeah. before, before Burger Brawl. Yeah. And, uh, since and then, it's, a, it's an excellent book. And I even did them a favor and put them in my book, the greatest book of all time, Table for One. <laughs> all right, let's talk about Mark's book real quick. But that is exciting news. Twitter is popping over to Burger Brawl, so that's great yeah, news. It's, it's active. Like I said, there's hashtag Philly Burger Brawl, hashtag Burgers for Students. Jump in on it when you get a chance, and don't waste time. Why not? Why, why pay 50 when you could pay 30 yeah. We got a guy here who's talking about making financial sense today. <laughs> if I'm going to eat the same burgers and save 20 bucks, you yeah, know, absolutely. act now. As they used Use to that say. 20 to buy beer. <laughs> John, just have to have vegan burgers there? Or no? <laughs> there are people that do There's vegan burgers, just yeah. like at uh, Meatball, the South Philly Meatball Contest. Yeah. People uh -huh. did. We had a winner. Was it last year we had a winner? That was Two a years ago. Yeah. Two years ago we had a winner that was a vegan meatball. So, uh, yeah, most of the food competitions are 
fairly dialed into vegetarian, vegan cuisine. Um, nobody wants to, to turn anybody away. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? I, I understand people sometimes maybe have religious reasons for not eating stuff, and that's that's cool. Right. But, you know, nobody wants to be turned away for something like that. There's I, always a I vegan. I have to tell you a plug for Quest Love's cheesesteak sandwich. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They have the article. Citizens Bank Park now. Uh, yeah. The other, it's great. I heard nothing but good things Friday about it. Friday night ahead. It's great. All right, let's talk about your book, author. Sure. Uh, we have Mark Bernstein. He is a, the best financial planner in the country. Uh, he just wrote a book called The Fiscal Therapy Solution. Uh, tell the people about the fiscal therapy. I will do that. There are lots of good financial planners. I will say that. But if anything, the book is is advocacy to use financial planners as opposed to just buying product. And I'll explain that a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, uh, first of all, I'll just tell you, at the beginning of the book, uh, I'm going to read you a sentence or two. It says, an invitation. Imagine for a moment that money is abundant. Your wallet might be full, your account balance this could be healthy, and you're feeling good. Imagine that you no longer spend your time worrying about money. Instead, you spend your time enjoying it. I'm happy to say the small book is an invitation to look at money in a new way. Go on to talk about that a lot of people have uneasy relationships with money. Um, you know, and most people, and very, including very wealthy clients I have, st- spend a disproportionate amount of time being concerned about money and, right. wor- and often worrying about it. And, you know, if you think about it, people use the word, this sounds like a soprano statement, but <laughs> cold cash, you know, hard cold cash. Or, um, you know, you've heard the expression, money is the root of all evil, which is not the real statement that was originally said. Why do people say all those things? Why does it have to be bad? Why can't it be warm and fuzzy money? You know, right. why has it got to be a negative thing? So part of the book is about attitudes about money. I have a section called Money-tudes, which maybe we'll get into a little bit. Yeah, we will. Funny quotes and things like that. But a lot of it is about having a process. And I compare the financial process to, you know, having good health, having good fiscal health or financial health. And if you, you know, if you... It, you should get go to a doctor, get a, a checkup, especially you guys with all the food you eat. You, know, you, should, get, <laughs> you, should, be, you should be going, getting checkups, right? Well, same thing. You should, instead of just buying a bunch of products and having an attic full of financial products, which is the way I like to refer to it, why not have a process and figure out how you're going to get from here to there, A to Z? What, what, what do your goals look like? So the chapters in the book sound a little bit like if, as if you were going to a doctor or a, a physician or a financial or a, a physical therapist or even a therapist therapist, you know, a psychologist. First, what brought you here? Getting to know you. Let us have a look. What we need to do is this won't hurt a bit, just like a doctor <laughs> would say, and then see in three to six months. The idea being that you actually have somebody that you can talk to, somebody that can understand your goals, your dreams, the things that you really aspire to, and build a plan around that instead of, again, just buying a bunch of products that, and I know this for a fact, that many years down the road, they they end up being a bunch of mishmash and stuff, and people say, now it comes time to retire or to be financially independent, and people say, I got all this stuff. What? How do I get it out? You know, right. How do I distribute it? How do I do from a tax basis? And sometimes it's too late to think about it. So I advocate for doing it earlier on, having a great process, acquiring and purchasing products and saving an investment in ways that make sense to your plan and that you have a distribution plan in mind up front and you know how it's going to work down the line. And we're going to actually tie in your book throughout our show because today is a, is a day to talk about, hey, I'm at home. I'm a really good home cook. I, I did a, a couple uh, – I featured a couple of restaurants on the old radio segment plus the show who cooked out of their house. And then that – 
inspired them to get a restaurant because everyone loved it. They cooked from home and they sold the, you know, the food. I've known a couple like that. Yeah, and uh, that inspired them to open a restaurant. So if you're at home and you think you're the greatest cook in the world and you're selling food out of your house, which a lot of people do, I don't know if the IRS is happy, but... Uh, I don't know if the Board of Health is happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, but, Royal Bushery does not want to use my peanut butter and Fritos. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is what we're talking about today. You might want to open a restaurant. Uh, tons of friends to our show own a restaurant. This information we're going to be giving you uh, throughout this show is going to help you. So uh, before we go to break, go ahead. Continue on uh, other things. Where can they buy the book? Let's get that out of the way. Uh, first of all, Amazon.com. It's the Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0. Okay. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. Those are best And the website. And the website, which is thefiscaltherapysolution.com. And uh, that's probably your best bet. Um, I'll, one other thing I'll just, uh, before the break, I'll just yeah, add keep to. Yeah, um, On the front of the book is a pyramid, and that represents... When I first came into the business, and most people have seen something like this, uh, it's called the financial planning pyramid. And usually uh, you'll see it in terms of products. You'll see CDs at the bottom, cash, money markets, stocks, bonds, things like that. I changed mine uh, over the years after thinking about this business for a long time, where at the bottom it says protection, savings and debt, growth, income, legacy. It's based on all of your financial goals fit somewhere into those categories. So it's based on what a client wants, what their goals are, where they're trying to get to, not what the industry wants to sell them. Okay. And I think that's very important. Nice. And uh, you have quotes in your book from Will Smith, Yogi Berra. <laughs> uh, there are quotes from Bo Derek. When's the last time, Jim, you heard of Bo Derek? <laughs> Uh, probably like fifth grade. We were talking about her in the, in the little boys' room. She, she has a great quote. But you, you have, a, you know, the book. And what, what is great about Mark's book is this is beach season. I get criticized on social media because I promote my book, uh, even though it's been out for a while, because uh, in the book business, uh, summer season is uh, is hot. It's like Christmas for toys because. People buy books to go on the beach. And let me tell you something about the Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0. It's lightweight. Uh, you can carry it with you. So if you're looking to get your finances in order, I would buy the Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0. And like I said, in the book world, summertime is similar to toys at Christmas. So now's the time to get it. Uh, I call it an airplane book. It's also a great beach book. Oh, yeah. It's short. takes an hour and a half to read it. Right. We'll My quote about ideas. it is a... Uh, Money can't buy happiness, but I'd sure like the chance to find out. <laughs> well, since you said that, I have to tell you the Bodera quote now. Okay. Right. She said, whoever said money can't buy happiness simply didn't know where to shop. <laughs> Very deep. All right, guys, let's take a break. When we get back from the break, we're going to dig in deep uh, to the restaurant business itself. I have 30 facts about the restaurant business. Most of them will shock you. Let's go to break. You can follow Dining on a Dime on Facebook at Facebook.com. That's a uh, forward slash dining on a dime, the number one. On Twitter, at dining on a dime, the number one. Instagram, KJW1972. And for sponsorship opportunities, starting as low as $200 per episode, email us at dining on a dime at yahoo.com. All right, we're back from the break. Uh, 
Mark uh, is such a successful financial planner that he is also an investor in one of my favorite spots. It's Ooh. the Concha Hawken Brewing Company. Really? We've never heard of that. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> With Glenn Mack now. Tell us, the, tell us about brothers. the Concha Hawken Brewing Does he work in radio like we do? I'm not sure. I don't, I've never heard of him, but Mark told me. He's a Hammertown <laughs> guy. I know that. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about putting your money into a restaurant, things like that. First of all, I must say I'm not a big believer in that. Okay. I had another restaurant opportunity. I was in a group of investors, a real estate uh, deal, and we did we did pretty well. It was a medical office building, and the lead um, the lead investor, the general partner, came in and said, "Hey, we're doing well. We're going to buy another property." I said, "Great, another office building." He said, "Nope, a restaurant." Oh wow! And I said, "I don't know." I said, <laughs> "So I said, what do you know about?" Um, a restaurant and he said how hard can it be to cook a steak ah. oh <laughs> no so i begged out of that one and i'll just say that it didn't work out so well for the other investors but many of these same people and uh, i'll give a credit to um andy rosen i just read an article about him today he's the lead investor that worked with the founders of conchock and brewing to put the the financials together and uh he's I've known him a long time and i, I I, I was not, he didn't originally ask me because he knew I, how I felt about the uh, the restaurant business. But when I saw my offices in Conchahawk and I saw what the brewing company was doing, I said, why didn't you ask me? Right. He said, well, I'll ask you in the next round. So I went in the second round of investors. And 2014 is when it started. And in five years, pretty it's on average about one location a year because there are now five locations. And it's a great model. Um, and it's the kind of model if people wanted to invest in the restaurant business, I would recommend. It's not real heavy on food. Craft beer is a very big thing. They grow, you know, it, they grow small. You know, they started with the tap room in Conchahawken that I know many of you have been to. Right. And um, it was so popular. And it's, it's such a great concept because it's all along the Schuylkill Valley Trail. So runners and, and bikers in particular, it's right there and it's really built a reputation. Many of us are or bike riders ourselves. Some of them were out this morning. I didn't go this morning because I had late night at the Wells Fargo Center right. last night. <laughs> but I, um, but uh, and it, it's it's a great model for how how to build from the bottom up a, a good. Um, well, well, let's dig deep. Okay, I got Mark Bernstein, the author of the Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0, FiscalTherapySolution.com, right? What is it? TheFiscalTherapySolution.com. Okay. Now, I come to you and I say, look, I cook really good meals from home. I got a lot of people buying my meals. I want to open a brick and mortar. What is the advice you give me? Now, I told Mark already. I said, look, our show is paid for by my book, Table for One. I said, oh, so... Well, I think so. Mark yeah. has one, too. <laughs> so anyway, I said our book. I own a few books. <laughs> I was going to say I own books. It's I said our show is. Get your book. Our, our, show, our show is already paid for. So I said, what if I go, go to you, you wrote the book, The Physical Therapy Solution 1.0, and say, hey, look, I'm selling a lot of meals from home. What advice would you give me uh, if I want to open a brick and mortar? What advice would you tell? Now, no restaurant has any association with this show. Well, one thing I, I was thinking about this as we're talking. One is, if you start a restaurant, if you have no money, or you have so much money that you can afford to lose it. <laughs> if you're in between, be very careful. All right. And I think again, the guys at Conchock and Brewing, I think they did a great thing because they basically used other people's money, a lot of people together that took small amounts of money. Um, so it's no big loss to anybody if it doesn't work out. And fortunately, it's it, it's you know it's been a, it's been a solid investment so far. Um, so I start small. Don't put all your money into it. We know it's a high risk business. 
we know most restaurants fail, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so um, I know John wanted to say, don't do it. He was, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally holding him back. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, right. He cut my mic. <laughs> right. So go, go cautiously is the best thing I can tell you. But if you believe in your product, and again, I'm talking to a couple of people that I'm encouraging to do that kind of thing, but but start very small. Start so you can't really have a big, big okay. financial fallout. From so it. that's the advice you give. Now I walk over to Peter DeFeo, the real estate broker for restaurants. He's got three units to show us as soon as the show ends. <laughs> so what is your advice to someone that's at home? They sell a lot of meals from home. Uh, they went to Mark. Mark has already told them that they can uh, try to get a restaurant. How do you get the bill? What do you recommend as far as the real estate? It's uh, putting people together with the proper company, with the proper type of work. Mom and pops, uh, and people have a lot of money, and they want to do something that's unique, you know, like uh, Steven Starr and what have you. Uh, Steve was a tenant of mine down there on South Street oh, okay. when he came out of the, uh, you know, and I saw him move like, really move well. Uh, but you have to put the people together, and it's a matter of having the right marriage. Yeah, but what would you recommend? Do you recommend they buy the building, rent the building? What do you recommend? Uh, I recommend they buy the building. Okay. Yeah, because um, a lot of people make money just on the building itself. But you have to have, just like you do in any other real estate investment, uh, three things, you know, as they say, uh, location, location, location. You have to be in a nice neighborhood. Uh, you, you have to, you know, have a, a, a build, nice building in a nice neighborhood. Okay. So I went to Mark. Mark recommends I proceed with caution, we'll say. Then I went to Peter. Peter recommends that I buy the building. So we're there. John, what do you recommend to get your business going and stuff like that? Pawn it off on someone else and run like <laughs> hell. <laughs> no. Um, to a certain extent, what Mark said is right. My first answer to almost everyone, I spent a lot of years consulting, and I look at the way the industry goes locally now. And by locally, I'm going to say between Atlantic City and Philadelphia. You know what I mean? I don't, uh, I'm sure things are much kinder out towards the Poconos or something like that. But sometimes my first reaction is don't, just because I see how it goes. Um, as far as your example of your cooking meals at home and selling them, Philadelphia, everybody wants to be the next Steve Martirano. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how he started, making sandwiches, I guess, and he, tell, he talks about it all the time uh, in his basement. And now he's been the top restaurant in Lauderdale for 20-something years. Uh, recently, we were over at his place in Atlantic City at Harris. Amazing food. He's also, I think, over in Vegas. I might have that wrong. Um, <clears throat> Steve is a great guy. Steve worked hard, and Steve is super talented. Steve also was lucky, and Steve also went at the right time. When he opened his first restaurant, things are very different than they were now. Um, restaurants are closing left, right, and center because landlords get greedy. They want, they can't get anyone in the building and they get someone in the building and then they see the tenant starts to make a little money and the next thing you know, the rent is doubled, the rent is tripled. Um, I'm certainly not saying you shouldn't make money on your property. I, yeah, I'm a big believer of capitalism, but I think that you have to look at, if you have a, a building that's a restaurant and you rent it to a restaurant person, you should have a better understanding of the industry. 
Um, good friend of ours, uh, and I don't name too many names here, and I'm certainly not going to name the name of the landlord, but everyone will know who uh, Danny is over at Angelo's in oh, South yeah. Philly. Sure. Mm-hmm. And he was in Haddonfield, and that was the best place Haddonfield had ever seen for food, by far, and they have a lot of good restaurants there. He and his landlord just could not see eye to eye. He could not get that place open and consistently running with power and floods and all this other stuff. And eventually he moved out and he moved on. Now, it worked out great for Philly because he's over on 9th Street um, in, I guess, his old father-in-law or maybe grandfather-in-law's building. But Haddonfield takes the shot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a Jersey guy, so I hate to see that. And I've seen a lot of Jersey restaurants close because the ownership of the building, you know what I mean? They, they, they have to understand there's an ebb and flow. They have to understand just because a restaurant has a few good months at the end of their lease doesn't mean you should triple the property, uh, triple, triple the rent. Not if you want to keep that person because they can't triple the price of the food. Right. We've talked on this show before about it is difficult to make money in this business. Yeah. You have to have the patience of a saint to work in this business to begin with, let alone to have an ownership stake, to own the building. Uh, Pete's 100% right. Yeah. You absolutely want to own the building you're in. Most restaurant people, that's just not realistic. Yeah, It's, it's just not. They're not going to, I mean, I don't want to speak for Jim, and I'll say this for myself. I wouldn't, couldn't write a six or $700,000 check uh-huh. for, for a restaurant, you know? Like, Pete's he, 100% right. Nice neighborhood. Right. I can't uh, supersize a meal, so... <laughs> yeah. Foot traffic yeah. is super important. Well, buildings and foot traffic in Philadelphia are eight, $900,000, right. maybe more. Um, you want to eat... You, East Pasjunk Avenue, I think I'm into seven figures. Wow. Most people who are selling food from home, or a guy like Jim, Sterling Reputation, not to put you on the spot, Sterling right. Reputation, everybody knows him. Um, you know, he'd be hard-pressed to find a million bucks to buy yeah, his own building. absolutely. So he's got to rent from somebody. And now, all of a sudden, he's got a sort of weird pseudo-partner mm-hmm. yeah. that is not really taking much in the way of the risk. Right. And I'm starting out in the hole. But you're, and, you're right. starting out, and you're starting out in the hole. So I want to make sure what people get from this show is I don't want to discourage anybody. Right. But I don't want to falsely encourage people. I don't want some guy that's selling burritos in his basement or, you know, some tamale lady who's killing it dead. Uh, God bless. And if you're making money selling food from your house and the IRS and the Board of Health doesn't care, keep it that way. (laughs) Right. Unless you really have the kind of partners that are willing to understand the business and work with you. Yeah. You know, like a, a landlord that gets the fact that, you know what, there are going to be lean times. Yeah. And, you know, the, the financial aspect of managing money is hard for the average American. Marcus said it right out. For people in the restaurant industry who don't fit that sort of nine to five great credit rating world, yeah. um, it's twice as important yeah, for and- them to read Mark's book and kind of. And you know what I have to tell you, John, because I, I, I know a couple of favorite restaurants I've had. I mentioned Eileen Vegan. And, you know, that's even harder because yes. you have more limited audience. Oh, right. And a couple of them were doing pretty well. And so the rent goes way up. And they're, and go- they, they're gone. And then they're gone. Yeah. yeah. And let me just back up what uh, the Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0 author Mark Bernstein said and what John Cole has said. Uh, most restaurants profit 3 to 5%. That's all your profit you get mo- from most restaurants. And... 
Uh, the average restaurant worker. That's why we're going to go to Jim Hassan. Are you saying Jim's average? I think no, 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 no. The the, the average the the average tenure of Jeez. a restaurant worker, because we've talked about this on the show, is one month and twenty eight days. That means out of ten employees, like all ten are only going to work one month. Talk about the staffing, Jim. Oh yeah, there's um, there's always a huge turnaround uh, when you when you. I've opened a few restaurants and. Uh, Within maybe six months, you got all new faces there. So uh, people are moving in the restaurant industry. People are moving around like crazy. So, do yeah, you have a story about short-staffed nights? I'm sure you've. Well, that's how he became the man of a thousand and one jobs. <laughs> well, before would rather we, have just had one be, job the whole time. Before we go to break, tell us some stories that you find in the restaurant business due to the fact that there is staffing issues. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've had definitely had times where. Uh, it's just me, uh, and not so much in the restaurant industry. Or I'm, I'm sure it does happen. For, but for me, I, I used to uh, manage a supermarket bakery, and uh, I, I've seen my staff go from about seven people to uh, me. And I would come in at like five in the morning, and I would do everything. And and uh, and, and it's just you. It's just me. And uh, yeah, I, 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 offered, I offered the restaurant, or I offered the uh, supermarket. To turn the music off so I could put cymbals on my my knees and uh, play the music for them as well. But, but that's, that's kind of the way it is. But it backs know. up the facts I just gave. Uh, the average worker at a restaurant only works there a month and twenty eight days. Yeah, you know, is. and uh, you know, there's like seventy three percent of the people that own restaurants say that staffing is the number one issue. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> You can find Table for One, written by Dining on a Dime's own Kevin Wilson, at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. We're back from our break. Uh, so we just told you, we talked to uh, Mark Bernstein, the Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0, Barnes and Noble, Amazon.com. Uh, Mark said, as a financial planning expert, proceed with caution, we'll say. It's a very high risk uh, business. Uh, most restaurants do not make any profit till the second year. Okay, so you got to keep that in mind. John Cole says, proceed with caution. Right, John? Uh, if you're going to proceed, yeah, <laughs> proceed. <laughs> no, I really just I want people to understand that this is more like they'll see they'll see Mark here today right. and Peter here today, and that puts us in a very sort of uh, I think of a good way to put it uh, like numbers based structure, right? And yeah, numbers are important, but there's a lot more to making a restaurant fly than making a different kind of business fly. Right. The P&L is super important. I would never like, you know, minimize that. But the restaurant industry has these weird little things that you also have to sort of manage. For example, there's not really I know there's something out there called Glassdoor, but there's no Yelp for plumbers. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no Yelp for the guy who's going to side your house. Very true. Um, there aren't too many shows, podcasts about electricians. And yet here we are sort of, you know, every week sitting around talking about the restaurant industry, bakeries, delis. Yeah. There's another level to this thing that I think that people, yeah, I get it. You make amazing strombolis in your cellar. Awesome. Respect yeah. to your grandmother, whoever taught you. But there's a big deal to sort of um we've seen a social media buddy of ours he started his name is carl ruiz we've mentioned him on the show before jersey cook caught a break got on guys grocery games won they kept bringing him back he kept winning guys a dynamite personality uh wound up being on uh 
uh, Opie's podcast, and then he's with Guy Fieri, and he found investors, and now he's got a restaurant in New York City. That doesn't, that's not everybody's path. For every one person that makes it like that, right. you know, there's 999 other people that are just sort of, you know. Yeah. It's absolutely. like the old thing. There's like a broken heart for every light on Broadway. Right. That's sort of like the restaurant industry, too, a little bit. And that you can't fix, with all due respect to both Mark and Peter, that you can't res- fix with just economics. So going on your, your point from earlier about, like, things you don't even think about, uh, I was talking to a guy who was about to open a restaurant, and he said it took him a while to open the restaurant because he wanted to take HVAC classes Yep. so that uh, if, if anything broke down in his restaurant, yes. he didn't have to go out to like fix it. That's and I just looked him point. right in the face, and I'm like, you are a colorful, adjective, <laughs> genius. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely right. Well, look I at mean, Donato. He was on the coffee episode. He was saying that they, they there's a lot of people that buy a simple coffee maker for cappuccino that always breaks down. Yeah, so that's yeah I mean, these, ca- these cappuccino makers are three, four grand. Yeah. Um, I've dabbled in the coffee business a little bit, yeah. especially last year. I've seen what it's like. The coffee shop margins not that much better than a restaurant margin. They still have to deal with the same real estate stuff like you talk about. Nice neighborhood. I mean, let's be honest. No one's going to a demilitarized zone for a $6 cappuccino. Very true. You know what I mean? You've got to have foot traffic. It's got to be near the train station, the parking lot, you know, something like that. It's got to have a nice location. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, there's not a ton of wiggle room there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mark is giving you the structure to put your affairs in order. Right. But there's like that extra level behind the curtain that you should be aware of that before you start signing checks. You know what I was thinking about, John? I'm thinking about, excuse the pun, but it's almost like you have to have a secret sauce. You know? No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I, I agree. I'll give you an example. So Stephen Starr, Peter mentioned Stephen Starr before. I knew him way back when. I'm still a part-time musician. That's my passion. Oh, uh, nice. Was, so I play in bars and restaurants, you know, and I know Conch a lot of people. Brewery, do you? <laughs> Coming soon, on August. <laughs> uh, I believe we're going to be playing that. August. The, the beer, greatest brewery. The beer garden in Bridgeport. Whether they want you there or not. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's kind of correct. But anyway. <laughs> Who signed this guy? Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't have music yet, but they're looking at it for the beer garden. Nice. I think it's going to happen next month. Yeah, great. But the... Um, the, Steven Starr, so I knew him when he had Stars on, on the 3rd and Bainbridge, I oh, think it wow. was. Yeah. And I played at Stars. And he kind of had a formula down that he figured out that he had the Ripley Music Hall. Then he got out of the music business. And the music business is another one where it takes a bit of luck, you know, right. and you got to have something really special. He did pretty well in that. And then he got out, and then he started, I think it was the Continental was the first restaurant. How about that? And he got had a great formula. And then all of his restaurants are different, but there's a formula behind it. I don't completely know what it is because I don't know the business well enough. Right. But in terms of service, in terms of, you know, obviously the entertainment aspect of it, he's really good at. You know, they all have a certain attraction to them. Right. They're all in good locations, which Peter talked about, the good, you know, real estate. Yeah. And he's figured it out. And, and I'll tell you what, Jim made a great point just now because so many people spend a lot of their money, right, John? You've mm-hmm. been to restaurants on maintenance and repairs oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so you don't, the things you don't think about when yeah. you start a restaurant, like, oh my, my freezer could break. Yeah, you know? and well, that, that was the point about the cappuccino machine. We were that's yeah. all they have, right? Yeah. They they can't even say. Well, okay, I've been like I was at Iron Hill Brewery and they had an issue, but they still had a flat top, so we're still eating, right? Yeah. Um, coffee place your cappuccino machine goes down 
now you're a tea house. So no, let's be that's honest. so There's, true. You know, somebody's landlord is going to be unhappy when they're That's actually a late. great point. I never would have thought of that, but that's true. You learn how to fix stuff, and you can mm-hmm. save a ton of money. Mark, let's go back to your book, The Fiscal Therapy Solution 1.0. Mark Bernstein is our guest. Uh, tell us anything that will link into our conversation. Um, you know, I was thinking because at the break, you know, there's a section on money tunes. It's attitudes about money. And I do think in business there's a certain degree of, you know, attitude and having a plan and having a, a, a positive attitude, but also having a realistic plan. You know, I think we're talking about that. So this we're talking about financial plans. Right. But I think having a really good business plan, which is something we haven't mentioned also in the restaurant business, is extremely important. And that's what um, you said about Stephen Starr. He had a formula that he used. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. The other thing is, you know, we talked before the break. It was, we, um, you mentioned Bo Derek, and I gave you a little quote. <laughs> right. So some of these kind of attitudes, um, and we call them money-tudes in the book. That's right. what I decided yeah. to call them. And Here's a great one. Alexander Hamilton. Money isn't everything, but it certainly keeps you in touch with your children. <laughs> I have, I have a young adult children. I found that very, very much oh, to be wow. true. Um, is and, that in the play? <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about uh, the, the money is the root of all evil. And actually, George Bernard Shaw talking about plays, lack of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, that's very true. Probably a lot it's more, more, more true. Actually that's very that's true. way more accurate. And you mentioned Will Smith. Too many people spend money. I found this to be very true. Too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, How many people do you know from the 80s that had collections of stuff that don't mean anything right now? I can name all the women that. <laughs> but, Jim, talk so about So my pogs aren't going to fund my retirement? What are you saying? <laughs> but listen, Jim Hassan is a veteran in the restaurant business. In your opinion, you've worked at hundreds of places. Hundreds? <laughs> Who impressed you the right most? at this moment. <laughs> what, can't what keep a job, Jim, or what? <laughs> <laughs> what restaurateur impressed you the most, do you think? Um, there, I mean, there's a group uh, that I, uh, I mean, I work for them now, uh, so I, I feel like I should say them. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's a name for the group, but they own uh, Royal Boucherie, they own Royal Tavern, they nice. own Royal Izakaya. And uh, Royal Tavern's Tina. top of the line. That's really good. And uh, there's a, a woman who is uh, the head of that called Sus- named Suzanne O'Brien, who's just, I, I watch her in action, and like, she's just the greatest at like, talking to people and uh, getting things done and, and things like that. That's so, awesome. And that's uh, that's important. You need uh, PR is another huge uh, well, thing about restaurants. Uh, yeah. You need the PR. To, 92% you know. of restaurants are on uh, social media. And that's, so. yeah. And, and, I mean, now it makes me think, what did we do before social media? Yeah. Like, how did restaurants succeed? And, you know, like, what did... What did the Craig LeBan told you where to eat. Gonna, you were yeah. not eating. <laughs> now, now Barry Z from Yelp is telling yeah, you. Yeah, well, that's what he said on another show. That's true, though. Uh, so let me just give a couple stats that I found interesting. Uh, 70%, almost 70% of millennials, these young kids, will spend, uh, no matter what the price is, with their credit or debit card, 70% almost, uh, will buy something as small as a coffee for two bucks using a card. That's why I think that trend of cashless restaurants is hitting. Uh, that's a fascinating stat. Another stat that I found fascinating, 90%, which I found mind-blowing, of people that go to fine dining use a card, which I found interesting. Uh, well, in today's society in particular, it's easy, it's convenient, but I think people, with Mark here, I'll say this, people are hearing about fiscal responsibility, fiscal therapy. 
more people want to be fiscal responsible than actually are. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. I think when you use a credit card in your mind, you think, yeah. you're thinking, you know what? This is how I'm going to track my purchases. Absolutely. No, in, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is future Jim's problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, too, though, because honestly, there are people paying interest. And I don't pretend to be at Mars level, but I understand a little bit how credit cards work. And there are people that are still paying interest from, you know, that beer and nachos with the crew from like 2010. Yeah. Because they just have let this thing drag on and on and if on. If you're getting into debt eating, there's definitely a yeah. right. issue there. Yeah, right. That's, good. That's a good point, though. Uh, John, as a restaurant consultant, one of the most uh, successful restaurant consultants in the area, John Cole, uh, there's a stat here that says that people choose to order from a restaurant's website when they order food uh, over Grubhub and in those things uh, what do you recommend when a restaurant says hey look i want to go online with online order you know i i kind of love the fact that delivery.com grubhub whoever have you there's uber eats they're sort of trying to DoorDash. To, yeah, DoorDash. yeah 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 everybody's got a service now um i'll tell you an experience i had recently friends came over and my wife insisted that I order something yeah. fast. We, you know, we'd been like a day at the pool. Everybody been drinking. Nobody was driving. Um, I am not the biggest fan of chain locations yeah. and places. However, if you're ordering online, it's usually a little bit more convenient than, you know, like I said, we've had friends that don't even answer the phone at their restaurant. They don't have a sit down place. It's just cash and take. We don't out. have a phone at Grub House. Like we. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Literally, I was thinking. Of, I was thinking of you guys, and I was thinking again of Angelo's. I, I think he might have a phone now, but he just wants you to come in and give him cash and take your pizza and go. Padillas like that too. Yeah, yeah, he's got zero interest in that whole. You know, I gotta have a website and right, check this, yeah. and my tickets are getting emailed to my phone. Um, so we ordered through a service, and I'm not going to bash the service. Um, to shorten the story, the experience was terrible. Wow. Things arrived wrong. Things didn't arrive at all. The restaurant we ordered from, which was a corporate place, so ultimately I had no one to blame but myself. Wow. I know that these are not the places to really go, but, you know. Um, and their response was it was the delivery fault. Yeah, they always do that. Yeah. And the delivery people were like, well, that driver is off shift, yeah. and so you have to make it up with the – so meanwhile, I've paid for something with a credit card, yeah. which I hate doing. And I'm somehow in my house on the phone kicking back and forth, and everybody else is outside at my pool. Right. Having a great time, drinking my beer, and I'm kind of wondering, why am I dealing with this? Yeah. My suggestion is go to the restaurant's website. Yeah. Call the restaurant and say, hey, look, I'm reaching out to you directly because I need, you know, some trays of food, this, that, or whatever, and make sure you talk to somebody. Come to the side entrance because I'm in my pool. Nobody's yeah. going to hear you at the right. front door. Um, you know, please make sure there's extra it's pesto on the side. more convenient, yeah. It's, it's, it's better, and I understand it's a pain. You don't want to make that call, but it's always better. Yeah. Than trusting zippity doo dah food to your door, and then nobody wants to be responsible. Yeah, you know what are you going to do? You're going to crucify some twenty year old kid because they forgot to get your garlic knots? Yeah, I'm not doing that. And then Jim Hassan made a great point. I was on social media bragging about Grubhub because I was using Grubhub over the winter, 
And you made a great point. You say if you look at the reviews on Grubhub, most of them are about delivery. Yeah. They're very yes. few are about the A lot food. of the restaurant people get annoyed. Like, yeah, that is annoying, though. Like a, like a Yelp review will go down because, like, something was cold by the time it got there. Well, it was, right. It was hot when we left my restaurant. Yeah, yeah no, that's I got to speak point. to people for a second about this. And this might not necessarily be business-related, but yeah. <laughs> this is sort of annoys me a little bit. I right. see this a lot on social media. Look, if you're too lazy or intoxicated to leave your home, and I am both, so this is <laughs> You know, this is not the glass houses and the right. rocks throwing thing. But if you are too lazy or incapacitated through whatever reasons to leave your house, right. you have no right to complain. You deserve what you get. Yeah, you deserve true. what you get. When you ordered your salmon Wellington yeah. and the pastry <laughs> isn't quite as crisp as you'd have liked, right. well, dude, that's on you because I guarantee you at the pass... When that got that final little towel wipe and out to the server, I guarantee you at most of these restaurants, that food was ready to go. When it got shot off the plate and put in somebody's styrofoam cardboard mylar box and closed, and then it sat there, and then eventually the kid stopped and came over and got your food. He made nine other stops. He drops it off at your house, and then you sit there for a while until you're ready to, oh, I'll wait till halftime to open the food. Very true. That's on you. I yeah. just remember as a kid, like I, we always used to do ta- like Chinese takeout, and then one time we ate at a Chinese restaurant. I'm like, <laughs> yes, this is so good. <laughs> this is so. We were like, it's not just because it wasn't sitting in a box for two, like for yeah. half an People hour. People wait yeah. until their mac and cheese comes out of the container like a lollipop yeah. stuck on the spork, and then you're wondering why well, I don't want to order from there again. No, mm-hmm. let me tell you, I've had their mac and cheese. It's delicious. Yeah, and Jim, we got one minute till break. I just want you to give people, I know a lot of people personally that have kids or or grandkids in culinary school. Mm -hmm. I get out of culinary school. What do you recommend them to get into the business? What jobs, what kind of... Yeah, I mean, there's so much out there, and uh, what they're going to have to do is something called staging, which okay. uh, which basically staging is is working for, it's like, an, it's like restaurant interns. Okay. So they, you know, they go and they they work at different places, and uh, yeah, the opportunities are out there, and 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 also, you know, work at work at an Applebee's, do do all right. Like, yeah, don't 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 try to like shoot for the stars immediately. Like I've I worked at every single, I worked at Ruby Tuesday, Applebee's, all of them, and it's made me better. We'll edit that out. No, but uh, I had when we announced the show on social media, I had an email from a lady. She's like, my granddaughter is about to graduate from the restaurant school. Right. What well, you should, should have been do? honest and told that listener her granddaughter will be living back in her house because <laughs> there's no way she's going to make money. All right, let's go to break. We'll be right back. <laughs> You can find Table for One, written by Dining on a Dime's own Kevin Wilson, at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. Okay, we are back. Uh, we are here with Mark Bernstein, the author of the greatest book. It's called The Fiscal Therapy Solution uh, 1.0, available at Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. Jim Hassan is the guru at Grubhouse Philly. John Cole is the very successful financial. Uh, or a restaurant consultant, I'll tell you why. One of my stats I have, 88% of restaurants hire a uh, consultant. And at least three of us here obviously like to eat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can hear the chair creaking. (laughs) People ask, what are your qualifications? I'm like, you got a scale? (laughs) (laughs) But that's interesting. You know, 88% of restaurants that are trying to be big hire John, a guy like John. Well, the truth is, and and I'll just say people like me, certainly not. Right, right, right. There's a lot of people in this industry 
that are, you know, miles higher than I am. Right. But um, I've had friends that have worked in Stephen Starr's organization, and they've all kind of said the same thing. A good friend of mine, semi-retired down in Miami, but she's still working uh, fairly regularly. She's been one of the first people I knew that called herself a restaurant consultant. Uh, she just put it out there, like, you know, I make your, I make your restaurant better. And she was a little bit of a mentor to me. And I'll say this. Her advice was, most of the times you've called me, you've called me too late. Yeah. Nobody has ever called me, and I've said this before on the show, and it's the truth. Nobody's ever called me because their restaurant has made so much money, they're looking to borrow my Ram 2500 to take all that cash to the bank. Yeah. They've called me because they're not making money, there's no growth index, whatever. Do not wait. If you see sluggish growth, if you're having trouble with staffing, if you're having trouble getting things out of the kitchen, off the menu, don't wait. Don't say, I'll give it three months, I'll give it six months. And don't cheap out either, because while financial uh, responsibility is important, the ultimate end goal is for you to be financially solvent, make money, profit. It doesn't make a difference for you to save a few bucks and then just have to sell your business for 40 cents on the dollar a year down the road. Um, You can always find a consultant that'll work with you um, somewhere along the line. And if one won't, if one needs a big paycheck up front, um, and I'm sure some of my friends in the industry wouldn't appreciate me saying this, but move on and find somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are many times where I've sat down with somebody and for a handshake and a glass of beer, I've gone to work on their business plan and seen exactly why, you know, uh, Peter referenced the nice neighborhood. How are you in a nice neighborhood and not making money? Right. How are you having 3,000 people a day walk past your door and you only did 50 covers on a Friday night? Right. There's generally reasons for that stuff. Yeah. And these are many times fixable reasons. Right. You know, sometimes not so much. But they're calling you too late. Uh, but a lot of times, yeah, I've, yeah. I've had it before. I've looked and I've had, you know, like uh, it's a couple that owns a restaurant and they're fighting and one's living somewhere else and the kids are all stressed out. And, you know, like everybody looks at you like the enemy or everybody looks at you like the savior. That's actually a great and point. People, and people love watching those shows like Restaurant Impossible. Yeah, they think rescue. they can do everything. And then, but <laughs> I, I just happen to know that most of the time, like you know, it has like a nice happy ending where everything's good. It but never like, happens. They, they always close. <laughs> like every single one of them is closed after, like well, within months after. That's the show. why they tell you thirty days later. Yeah. Uh, like I go in to help a donut store. Thirty days later, the donut store is making more money. If I was a famous guy, yeah. they won't tell you one hundred and eighty days later. Uh, because you got a little you know, buzz from the show. There's a comic book store yeah, in there yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, buzz from it's the true, show. true, though. There are places that have benefited. Um, I talk about this guy a lot. I know he's not everybody's favorite person, but Guy Fieri, he's put a lot of butts in a lot of restaurants yeah. over the years. But I've said this before, and I'll say it all the time. If you were waiting for Guy Fieri to save your restaurant, you had better figure something else out. If you haven't been careful with your money, if you're not cooking the right food, if you chose poorly your location, or you have a bad situation with your landlord, Gordon Ramsay or Robert Irvine, I have a lot of respect for these guys, they're not going to save you. Right. They'll try to help, and they might kind of keep you afloat a little bit, uh, but they're not, you know, they're not the answer. The answer is minding the, you know, the profit and the P&L, yeah. making sure the good food gets out, taking care of your customers, making sure you've got a location and a landlord you can work with. Those basics haven't changed. A ton of things have changed in the restaurant industry. Those things haven't changed. And our message today is 
you know, go for it, but proceed with caution. Mark has told you, uh, Mark uh, Bernstein, the fiscal therapy solution 1.0, Barnes & Noble, Amazon has said, you know, if you're going to proceed in a restaurant industry, proceed with caution. John says the same thing, but just so everyone knows, a little bit on the bright side, in 2017, the restaurant industry brought in $800 billion in revenue. So it is, you, there's money out there to be made. It's just, it's a very high risk, you know, business. Yeah, I made like $130 of that. Yeah. Year, so, that's- <laughs> so Mark, in, in closing, because we got about uh, 10 minutes left in our podcast, let's talk uh, about the fiscal therapy solution. Yeah. Um what, what else could I tell you? And, and tell you what, uh, you're a part owner of Concha Hocking uh, Brewery. Oh, yeah. Tell Kevin how he can and become I, the part owner of a thriving brewery. <laughs> how can I get involved? And I have a new band that we're playing at some of these restaurants. Oh, good. What's oh, the band? Kevin can't sing. Please <laughs> gloss over the band part. Just buy Mark's it's book. Don't talk, about, talk about your band. That's actually well, fascinating. Well, it's called Herding Cats because, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> because that's... What it takes to get us to practice. <laughs> I always wanted to have a band called Missing Cat because I couldn't afford to put flyers up. But, you know, I was thinking nice. I might have to change the name because I said it once and they said, you hurt cats? I said, no, I don't hurt cats. I said, do you understand the expression? Oh, that's so, funny. So uh, so we're trying to get together. And like I said, our, our next gig may be a Conchhock and Brewing Company. Nice. Like the Beer Garden. And you're a part owner. August so you're 9th You're an investor. 10th. I'm an investor. And... Uh, that's Tell it. Glenn Mac now. We would love to have him. And Black Tell and Glenn, so, I've drank so, a lot of beer there. I'm actually an investor technically. Right, right. So Glenn or Andy. <laughs> Glenn, Andy, or John, or Ken, one of those guys, we'll get him on the show. So I'll, Nice. I'll That's going to be we'll, great because we'll we're big fans of the Conchac and Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just tell you I, a little bit about the book. I did. I went to China recently. Oh, this wow. is kind of interesting wow. because – and I spoke to the Chinese life insurance industry because that's the main kind of source of financial um, – uh, advice that that's being given there now right. so it's like the early stages of the life insurance industry here and it's changing because there's becoming a lot more affluent and wealthy yes yeah. and they don't really have services beyond selling products so they were very interested in the message of a process like how how do you advise people how do you create a process that really gives people advice and what they need you know what we what I like to say we do is we take people's goals and dreams and turn it into reality. Right. Yes, by tackling the numbers, but also looking at what do they really want because not everyone wants the same thing. And that was sort of the, that was sort of the message I took to China. We had pretty good reception on it. That's fantastic. And um, I, you know, it's it, you know we're, we hear a lot about China in the world, the economy every day because it's obviously important in the world stage. Right. And. Um, you know, they and it, it's a very interesting thing too because I I was there right before the 30th anniversary of Tiananmen Square. Oh wow! And the day after I got back, CBS this morning had a or Sunday morning had a had a a show about uh, about the anniversary. How about that? And they went to China to talk to people about it, and they asked several young people, and they knew nothing about Tiananmen Square because it's been wiped off the face of the map. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me, because I was in Shanghai, it's a beautiful city. People look happy. They, you know, a lot of great stuff. And I heard it really looks like a city of the future now. Oh, really does. It's, oh, like it's, it's awesome. Sci-fi channel. No disrespect to them. I mean that in a good way. No, in a good way. It's maybe maybe the nicest city I've been to. Cleanest. Wow. Uh, the subway system is amazing. But people look. But it, the show reminded me that. And I and I figured this out because how does communism? How do communism and capitalism work <coughs> yeah, together? Sure. They seem like they wouldn't. But communism is their political system. Uh, capitalism is their economic system. Interesting. So with some sort of communist kind of um, uh, collars around it, 
it's a capitalist system and business there is really thriving so it's very interesting so mm -hmm. nice and mark bernstein is the author of the book the fiscal therapy solution 1.0 barnes and noble amazon the fiscal therapy solution.com correct very and good. he is a part investor of conchock and brewing company so we were happy we're very big fans of them and uh, you can sell Tell them hello and tell them uh, Glenn McNeil is more than welcome on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. I'm wearing my Phillies gear because they finally won a game today <laughs> after seeing a big loss. And I, so I wore my Phillies colored uh, CBC shirt. Well, we so. want to thank you for being here today. I think you gave a lot of sound advice. Uh, Peter DeFeo, let's tell the folks how to get a hold of you. Okay. Uh, I heard everything that was going on yes. here. And I have the formula for succeeding okay. in the restaurant business. Right. Go ahead. It's the same formula to succeed any business. A, you can't go in wanting not to work and to make a million dollars. B, you have to go in that with the idea that you're going to break your neck, you're going to work 24-7, and you're going to be a hard, hard worker to develop your business and give the people as much as that you can. Yeah, I've seen Townhouse Restaurant in business for 60 years. Right. When the kids took over, it went down the tubes. Wow. Sam's place went down the tubes. I was in the middle of uh, selling that, you know, business also. Right. Uh, I've I've been involved with the Wood family from Wawa from the first one and they built, uh, you know, right up to you name it. Coco's Pizza. I knew Coco before he ever started the pizza business. Wow. And the one thing they all had in common was they didn't go into business, so they would not have to work. Right. And they, they were going to make a lot of money. They went they into business to work. They went into to business work, yeah. to work and to dedicate themselves to that business. And that's the formula that everyone that I've noticed succeeded right. was working. No matter what business you go into, right. if you don't work, if you, want, if you go into it hoping not to work and to get away with getting away with doing nothing... Uh, right. And making millions of dollars, you won't succeed. Absolutely. Peter, I'm wiping away, I'm wiping away th tears here. I have a thought about that, <laughs> a little slogan about that, a partner mindset at the other day, and it's great. Because, look, I've been in this business a long time, and we're um, energized. We're really building our business. Yeah, sure. Going for it. Love the grind. Yes. If you don't love the grind, don't do it. That's okay. actually a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Gary Koppelman, who runs Industrial Food Truck, I used to do a podcast with him called The Food Truck Authority. Yes. He builds food trucks. He builds containers. He talks all the time about there's two types of people, entrepreneurs who know exactly what Peter and Mark are talking about, right. the grind, work, the realistic, going into the work ethic, eyes open, yeah. and entrepreneurs, people who sort of want to be their own boss and, you know, they're hobbyists or maybe they'll go online and kind of mess around for a couple hours. That's actually a great word. But they're really not ready to, you know, like they're gonna really... Get a, they're going to get it started then like push it off on they're the They're not the into it. They, they, they don't embrace they it. Don't wanna they, they don't want to work. They really don't want to work. They're, they're looking, looking for a work. way to get out. Right. Yeah. They're looking for a way to fund an exit strategy and that's a entrepreneur. Absolutely. Um, Gary Koppelman, that guy must work 20, if there were 25 hours in a day, he'd be working. Wow. He's on the road, food trucks, businesses, like mm. endless, endless. Grubhouse endless. used to work at their com, or we, in between places, we worked at his commissary. Yeah. Uh, it was 
Good guy. And okay, he just go. sort of, he tells people, you know, food truck guys come to him, oh, I'm not making so much money. Yeah. I've been in his office, and he's like, well, you go out five times a month instead of five times a week. Yeah. If you went out five times a week, you know, you only give yourself so many opportunities. And Jim Hassan is the is going to play a major role. Live show, July 28th, 4.30 p.m. at Tattooed Moms. Are Jim, we still doing it? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm working two hours a day. I just downloaded a dad joke app. So oh, can, great. Yeah, and so. uh, Jim. Jim, uh, you can find Jim at Grubhouse Philly inside the Borscht Building, beautiful Borscht Building, and you can find Jim at uh, Royal, Royal Bushery on Friday and Saturday nights at the Raw Bar. Are I'll those wings going to be at Grubhouse? <laughs> that was I'll delicious. Put them on the menu, sure. Yeah, they, they were delivered. They it was a little R and D, and that they were very. It was a it was a hot wing candied bacon mashup. <laughs> Go to Grubhouse, find Jim, yeah. tell him I pastored you into making these okay. things. And we want to thank everyone for joining us. We're having we're doing really well. Uh, PhillyRestaurantReviews.com. Uh, our show was given the opportunity to go on Patreon, which uh, if you guys are hardcore podcast people, Patreon's a, a, a platform that I can do behind the scenes stuff. I can spend more time on the show and film behind the scenes, and then people subscribe. We don't really and, have faces for, and they that, pay, though. yeah, and they pay, <laughs> and they pay very little bit of money. So what I did was I put a donation uh, button <laughs> on the website. And here's the thing. If you guys want to he- see our show, go on to Patreon. Then you go to our website. You make a donation. I'm sending everyone a very nice gift that donates at phillyrestaurantreviews.com. I have some more. Well, we're I just trying to see if there's any interest if we go to Patreon. You want to go behind the scenes yeah. and see Hassan make fun of Jim Pappas. <laughs> but we're not, you can't cook, and people don't like cheese things that much Yeah, anymore. but we're, n- we're not doing it to make money per se. We're just doing it to see if there's any interest in us going to Patreon. So if you're interested in seeing our show behind the scenes on Patreon, uh, go to phillyrestaurantreviews.com. Give a small donation. I'll send you a nice gift. Okay, and uh, next week it's going to be breakfast deals. Where can I go and get a nice breakfast? Grub- I price. just happen to work at a breakfast yeah, place. He happens to work at a breakfast place. <laughs> All right. Have a great week. Stay hungry, everybody. To uh, view hundreds of restaurant reviews and photos from Philadelphia restaurants and to get more information about the Dining on a Dime podcast, Go to www.phillyrestaurantreviews.com.